Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. I was at a pastor's conference up in the Coachella Valley just here a couple of days ago, and I didn't know anybody. And to walk in this room with all these pastors and stuff, I'm a pastor and I feel, I feel insecure. I mean, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Oh my gosh, what do I do? And I feel insecure. I'm looking to try to hide. They have to come out and get me and pull me out. And so I learned again, oh my gosh, it's not an easy thing to walk into a room with a bunch of people that you don't know. So good for you for being here today. Hopefully a friend invited you, you came and you got a chance to meet someone, but we're so thankful you came to hang out. Uh, We're in a series that we're really excited about. It's called Worthy, and we're in the Gospel of Luke. One of the stories that Jesus' disciple wrote about him and who he was and what he came to do, Luke. He was a follower of Jesus. And he wrote this gospel, and he wanted to give it to a friend. The guy's name was Theophilus. In the Greek, that means a seeker of wisdom. And Luke wrote his gospel because he wanted Theophilus to understand what true wisdom was was all about, what a worthy life was all about. And Luke said, if you want to live a worthy life and you want to understand what worthy is all about, I want you to look at this guy, Jesus. Because Jesus lived a one-of-a-kind life, a life like no other. And that's what I love about the Gospels. That's what I love about the life of Jesus. I mean, he's the ultimate bracket buster. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? It's madness out there and how your bracket's doing. Mine are busted all over the place. Now, just a little insider language. Bracketology is what men and women who are crazy about basketball do during this time of year of March. It's the NCAA tournament, if you don't know. And 64 teams go into that, and there's all these brackets that the committee puts together. And crazy people like me look them up and go, oh, I'm going to choose this one. This team's going to be this team. Kansas is going to the final four. That's on my bracket list. Uh, I see what I'm telling you? Busted all over the place. And so inevitably, we think we know it, and we put it in there. We put these brackets in, and they're busted all over the place. Who picked Liberty? Anybody pick Liberty? Who is Liberty? Number 14 seed, they won. Did you know that? What about Murray State? Murray State? What a, do you know what an anteater is? Yeah! There we go. Irvine anteaters are going to the Final Four, huh? Come on. Bracket buster. And you know, Jesus, he was the ultimate bracket buster as well because everybody tried to put him in a bracket. Here's who this guy is, right? He is a great prophet. He's just a great teacher. Jesus busted the bracket. I'm not just a great teacher, you know? I'm a wonderful miracle worker. Well, he's a, he's a moral man. He's really a good man. Oh, yeah? I'm not just a good man. I'm actually a God man. I'm the son of God in the flesh. Brackets busted all over the place. Well, he's, a, he's kind of a, a dead, you know, martyr, tragically. Oh, he's not a dead martyr. Easter says he's a risen savior. Jesus was always breaking the brackets. 
And that's why this gospel of Luke is so powerful. Because he is the savior of the world. He's the risen son of God. And he's always busting the brackets of the world. And because he's busting the brackets of the world, he's able to bust our brackets. Jesus wants to bust your bracket today. He wants to bust it up. Jesus is always taking people and meeting them where they're at and seeing the bracket that the world has put into them. You're a loser. And Jesus says, no, you're not a loser. You are a lover. You are a beloved child of God. I'm a failure. No, you're not a failure. You you are so valuable and precious. You are worthy because of my love on your life. I'm addicted. I can't change. You're not addicted. I'm going to break you out of addiction, and I'm going to give you a different pattern of life. Jesus was always meeting people, and they were stuck in the brackets of the world, and he was busting those brackets open and setting them free to new life. Jesus wants to bust your bracket today. Maybe you're here because you need to hear about God's love and you don't know if God loves you or not or you don't know if there's a plan for your life and Jesus wants to break your bracket and bring the everlasting love of God and the purpose of God in your life. Maybe you're a person that's you know, said yes to Jesus and you're just going through the motions like Ben said and Jesus wants to break your bracket and overwhelm you with your love so you'll care about your neighbors and your friends and realize there's an eternal purpose It's not just praying a prayer and going to heaven. It's praying a prayer and let heaven come into your life and going and changing your neighborhood for Christ. Jesus wants to break your bracket today. And that's what he did all the time. You know, Jesus, one of the brackets that he always broke was the religious bracket. That's what Luke 15 is all about. We're in Luke chapter 15 today. If you want to open your Bibles and look at that, I've got some scriptures on the screen. Luke 15 is about Jesus busting up some religious brackets. You know, Jesus is not into religion. Well, he's the greatest, one of the greatest religious leaders of the world. What are you talking about, Bucky? Uh, Jesus didn't come to found a religion. What are you talking about? Christianity is one of the top two religions in the world. He didn't come to found a religion. No, Jesus wasn't into religion. No, he was into the radical love of God, and so he busted up religious people all the time so they could see that God's love is about a life-giving relationship, not a religious pursuit. We don't earn God's love through the religious things that we do to perform for God, to earn his love. No, God loves us right where where, where we are. He wants a radical relationship with us, and Jesus came to give us that relationship Not a religion, but a radical, loving relationship with God. And so he was always struggling with religious people, right? Jesus said, here's my mission. It's not a religious mission. I didn't come to build a building. I I didn't, I didn't come to make coffee. I didn't come to put on an event. I came to seek and save those who were lost. That's my heart. I'll do it in a building. I'll do it outside of a building. I'll do it wherever... I find the one that needs the love of God. I'm going to go after that love. And so because he did that, he always messed up religious services. Do you know that? Jesus is always ruffling up the religious services. It's the Sabbath. We're not going to work on the Sabbath. We're all going to be quiet and still. And you can't do, here's 39 things, rules that you can't do on the Sabbath. A guy comes into the church with a withered hand and a hurting heart. Oh, no, we can't do anything for that guy. Just leave him alone because you can't do any work on the Sabbath. Jesus goes, you guys have missed the whole point of the Sabbath. And Jesus heals this guy. 
Because the Sabbath is about the radical love of God and not about a religious work. Jesus was always trying to challenge the religious leaders and breaking their brackets. And in Luke 15, he is hanging out with some sinners and some broken people, some hurting people, some people that are far away from God. And the religious people are murmuring and grumbling and condemning Jesus because he doesn't understand what it's all about. And Jesus is going to bust up their brackets. Look at what it says in Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Why? Because they were repelled by the religion of the day. They felt judged by religious people. They felt unloved by religious people. They were outside and unredeemable. You know, if you were a tax collector, you were so judged by your own culture. They had forsaken you. They, they thought you were unredeemable and unsafe. They, they thought you were going straight to hell. And so they just kind of gave up on you. Because you sold them out to the Romans. And then there was a special name, a special class of sinners. These were kind of the worst sinners. A lot of times they were, they were prostitutes. They, they were the people that were the marginalized of society. And Jesus went after those people. The religious people didn't want to touch him, hang out with them because they were unclean. But Jesus went after them to order to make them clean with the love of God. Not external things, but an internal change of the heart. That's why Jesus went after them. And so the tax collectors and sinners, they were all gathered around Jesus because he was full of the radical love of God. But the religious folks, the, the church-going folks, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, muttered and said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He clearly is not a holy guy. He clearly doesn't know what it's all about. And Jesus was always busting their brackets. You know, Jesus had an open table policy. He's going to take a cultural thing of the day called table fellowship. When you invited somebody to a meal in the first century, it meant you wanted to be friends with them. It's not like going to Starbucks and having a casual coffee with a business associate or just trying to meet somebody. If you invited somebody in for a meal and said, I want, I want to be your friend. I got your back. We have a relationship that matters. And so for Jesus to have a meal with sinful, broken thing, uh, people, he, what he was saying is that God loves you radically. You're welcomed at God's table anytime. He welcomes you. He loves you. And this was ruffling all the religious faith. Jesus had an open table policy. I'm in the restaurant business. I love the app Open Tables. Anybody know Open Table? Open table, right? You can get on any time, and the app says you can make a reservation anywhere you want to, right? You get on that app, open table. Hey, Orange County Mining Company's open for brunch right now. There's a table for four. I can get there right now. Shameless plug, right? <laughs> Jesus had an open table policy in his heart. He didn't just have an app on his phone. Everywhere he went, his table was open to anybody, especially the one that was hurting and needing God. Religious people, they have a closed table policy. I'm only going to hang out with people like me. I'm only going to hang out with people that I like, that like the things that I like, that sing the songs I like, that do the things I like. I'm only going to hang out with my own crowd and my own crew and make sure everything's good. You know, that happens in churches a lot too. Do you know that? We start liking the people around. We start wanting to hang out with them, be with all the time, and we don't care about the people across the street whose lives are falling apart. We don't care about the messy homeless people. We, they, 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 might, they might get a little homelessness on us, so we're going to stay away from those people. And we don't like the people that you know, look different than us and maybe go to a different worship church than we go to. We, those guys, they're, they're kind of the holy rollers. I'm not going to hang out with those guys. 
And so we kind of start doing the same things. We hang out with the people like us, and all the church folks hang out together and sing Kumbaya, and all the people over there are falling apart. And that's what Jesus was challenging the religious people of his day, because he said, you think those people are lost? You're actually the ones that are lost. Religious people can be some of the most lost people of all because they think it's all about them, it's all about their works, and so they become prideful, they become content with their own stuff, and they don't care about the hurting and the broken and the lost. And that's why Jesus came into this this, this world. That's why Jesus went to the temple. He wanted to break up the religious hypocrisy and give people a heart of love because that's the, the heart of God. Everybody's welcome. That was Jesus' policy. You know what? Everybody's in process. You know, even a prostitute's in process. Even a homosexual person that may have a different orientation is in a process. Even people that are far away from God, even addicts are in a process. And how can we help them with their process and not condemn them and judge them where they're at? Everybody's welcome and everybody, everybody in this room is in a process. Nobody's perfect in a church. I'm sorry if you, can't, you come to church and you think people are perfect because they all have the Jesus faces on. But you know what? Every person, if we took them out to coffee, if you took Pastor Bucky out to coffee, you would find out that Pastor Bucky struggles. Pastor Bucky has brokenness that he has to deal with. Pastor Bucky needs the love of Jesus just like everybody else. And he makes mistakes. We're all in process. We're all broken. Everybody's welcome. We're all in process. But you know what? Anything's possible. Anything's possible with God. That is the gospel. All things are possible with God. And so when we invite God into the conversation, when we're at the table with Jesus, he has a radical power and a radical love to change lives. I've seen him do it. But it takes an open table policy, not a closed table policy. That is Jesus. He hung out with people that were far away from God. He loved the religious leaders too. He was challenging them. You guys think you're all good and all together, but you're so far away from the love of God, you can't see straight. He talked to the broken people. They, they knew they were lost. They knew they were broken. They had shame and they had guilt. He invited them to God's table of love. And just to make his point with these religious leaders, and maybe to bust our brackets today, Jesus told three parables in Luke 15. Just to make one point. Go back and read this this week in your quiet time. Luke 15, these three parables, I'm going to go through them. But these three parables are to tell the religious folks that God is all about the one. That God's heart is all about the lost. And I'm here to seek and save the lost. I'm not here to create a religious service. Religious service are fine. The Pharisees were more religious. The Pharisees went to church way more than you guys do. The Pharisees prayed more way than you guys do, than we do as Christians. The Pharisees did all this religious stuff, but they had no love. That was the challenge. They had no love for the people that were lost. And so Jesus tells these three parables to make one point. I didn't come to build a religious club. I didn't come to build a religious club of people that wanted the seats of honor, the the patties on the back for how religious they were. I didn't come to build a religious club. I came to build a community of radical love. And so Jesus speaks their language. He tells three parables about three common things that would have happened that day. A lost sheep, 
a lost coin and a lost son. Here's what he said in Luke chapter 15 to the people in the room. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends, his fellow shepherds. Hey, I almost lost this sheep. You know, that's a lot of money in that world. And if I lose a sheep, i got to pay for it for the owner. i got to prove that it's been eaten by a wild animal. So lost sheep are really important. So he goes after that sheep, and he brings it home, and he brings his fellow shepherds together and says, let's celebrate. Let's have a party. Rejoice with me. I found thy lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one, the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous peoples who do not need to repent. The 99 people who are happy and satisfied in their religious trappings and doing their religious things and not caring after the one. And Jesus wants to make this point, so he says it again through a different story, the parable of the lost coin. Suppose of you, one of you, a woman has a 10 silver coins and loses one of them. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of angels over one, the one who repents. This woman lost a coin. You know, when you got married in that, that form of the world in ancient Israel, you got ten coins as a part of your dowry, as a part of... The celebration, and many of the women would take the coins and they'd make a headband. It's kind of like their, their wedding ring. And they would wear that with pride because it meant they, someone loved them and someone chose them. And if one of those coins fell out, that's like losing your wedding ring, right? See, I mean, if you, women, if you lose your wedding ring, you're going to turn the house upside down. You're going to say, honey, you've got to find this coin. You're going after that coin with all you've got. You're sweeping, you're looking. And that's the passion that Jesus is capturing Because his passion is after the one. And just to make it clear, how many times do I have to say it? Three times. Not once, not twice. I'm going to say it again. But now I'm going to talk about a son. And he tells the parable of the lost son. There's a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Which would have been a huge offense in that world. Basically he was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because I want my money and I want out of here. I don't want your values. I don't want your, your religion. I don't want anything. I'm going out. I'm getting my money. I'm going to do it my way. And so this kid takes the money and he goes to a far country. You know this story, the parable of the prophet. He goes to a far country and he spends all his money on wine, women, and song. He has the time of his life and he loses it all and he finds himself homeless. He has to sell, his, sell himself out to take care of, of pigs, which would have been the worst thing for a Jew. Pigs are unclean. And to take care of the pig, he's so hungry, he just wants to eat the pig's food. That's where he finds himself. And then it says he comes to his senses and he remembers his father's home. He remembers his father's love. When he comes to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. 
Now, in the ancient world, men wore skirts. It was kind of cool back then. They wore skirts. And you know what? They didn't run. It wasn't honorable. It wasn't a part of the culture. That would have been scandalous for a man man to pull up his skirts and run across a thing going after his son. And yet, this is what Jesus points to when he points the love of God after the one. And you know, in that culture, if they would have followed the law, this young boy, when he walked into town, the community would have stoned him because he had violated the law and dishonored the community by leaving his family this way. They would have stoned him. And many commentators think that the the reason the father's running because he's going to get to his son first before anybody else in the community does. He's going to wrap his love over him. And so when he sees him, the son wants to confess, right? He says, Father, I've sinned, and and I want to come home. And the father doesn't even let him get the words out of his mouth. He says, quick, put the robe on him. Give him the shoes. Here's the ring of sonship. Put it on his finger. Let's celebrate. Kill the calf, man. We're having an all-out party. Ribeyes for everyone. Yes. Because this son of mine was lost, and now he's found. Three separate parables. One point. God cares about the one. And if God cares about the one and we say we're followers of Jesus and we love Jesus, do we care about the one? Do we care about the one in our workplace that needs the love of Jesus Christ? Do we care about the one in our neighborhood who's lost and far away from God? Do we care about the one in our family who's hardened and hurt because of religion? Maybe they've been hurt. They're burned out, they're de-churched, they've walked away. Do we care about them? Do we care about the next generation that is leaving the church left and right? Do you know why the next generation is leaving the church? They asked them. You know what they said? Because when I see Christians, what I think is judgmental, hypocritical, and homophobic. I don't want anything to do with that. That is the worst reason for that generation to leave the church, right? Let them leave the church. That church is too loving. I'm leaving the church. They care too much. They love too much. They give too much. I'm out of here because they're too loving. That's a reason to leave the church. Give them a good reason to leave the church. To leave the church because it's hypocritical. The church doesn't look like Jesus anymore. We're lost in our religiosity. We're lost in our own thing. We're building our own stuff. And we've lost sight of God's love. Something of great value has been lost to God. That's what these parables are saying to us. God has lost something of great matter. People matter to God. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, the city that was going to crucify him, the city that was going to reject him. He wept over him. How long have I longed to gather you under my arms, my children, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing? The heart of God is a heart of broken love. Isn't it amazing that God allows us to disappoint him, to hurt him, to grieve him? Because he wants our love. He wants a love relationship with us. He doesn't want to make religious robots of us. He doesn't want to force us. He invites us and woos us with his love. God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. You matter to him. Maybe that's why you're in church today, just to hear this one thing. God loves you so much. He sought after you. He values you. He sent his son so that he would die in your place so that you could have a love relationship with God. That's how much you matter to him. Maybe this morning you're the one that Jesus is going after. 
And he wants you to know the message of his love. You matter to him. Your value is equal with the value of his precious son. He sent his son so that you could come home and be with him. And so because you matter so much to God and people matter, he's willing to search, right? It requires an all-out search. The shepherd leaves the 99. The woman searches the house. The father runs to the son as the son turns back, runs to welcome him home. It requires a search. It requires an investment. It requires messiness, right? That shepherd's going to get dirty going after that sheep. That shepherd's going to take risks to go after that sheep. That shepherd's going to cost him time and talent and treasure to go after that sheep. It's going to cost the father his reputation in the community to welcome back his son. It's going to cost him the relationship to the elder son because the elder son's going to be very angry that he's given him back, given him grace. He's willing to risk that because of the love for the one. Are we willing to risk that? To walk across the street, to get involved in, you know, why do we feed the homeless every month with the cross? Why do we do that as a church? Because we're going after the one. We're going after that one that needs to know the love and the hope of, we're having a meal with that homeless person. We're inviting them in and we're inviting them to a different path with God, but it takes God's love to get them on that path and to get them through. The reason that homeless people get out of homelessness is because they have somebody walking with them. There's tons of food. We got more food than homeless people need. They need the love of God. They need somebody to believe in them and walk them through that. Why are we going and doing the Easter egg hunt? Because of the love of God, we care about that community. We want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. It requires an investment and a search. It requires that. I didn't come to be served. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that was lost. You know, inviting a coworker, that's a risky thing. They might reject. They might say no. Are we willing to risk that so that they might know the love of God? Right? That's the heart of Jesus. God searches for us. And what happens when he finds us? There is a huge celebration that happens. Every one of these has a huge celebration, right? The shepherd brings his friends there. Let's have a party, man. The woman jumps and brings her husband and her family. I found the ring. I found the coin. The father says, kill the fatted, bring all the servants home. Everybody's off work. We're having a party. The father embraces. The community celebrates. Heaven explodes with joy and thankfulness. You know, when I was growing up, my father took me to seven final fours. I went to seven final fours in a row. I get to see some of the greatest basketball players that have ever played the game. You know, I, I got to see UCLA win a national championship with Bill Walton. I got to see Jack Goose Gibbons score 44 points for Kentucky in the national championship game. Amazing shooter. I got to see Indiana, Bobby Knight's team, went undefeated. I got to see Indiana win the national championship. I got front row seats. I stood up and I shouted. It was the most amazing thing. But let me tell you, let me tell you. After 25 years of ministry, that pales. It pales in comparison when I see somebody stand up and say yes to Jesus Christ. It is the most joyful, celebrating thing to see a life. Somebody who is dead and now is found. Somebody who is lost and comes alive to God. It is the greatest adventure. You know, the NBA players say, I love this game. No, I love this game. 
This is the game that Jesus is after lost people because they matter to God and their lives are changed forever. To see a marriage raised from the dead, this is the game. To see a marriage reconciled, that is the game. To see a lost youth who's in addiction, who's going down a wrong road to come back to God and be restored, that's the game, guys. There is no other game. Lost people, to see Francisco, my Latino brother, who came to Christ in my men's Bible study and go out and plant a church and now plant a rosie and see hundreds of people come to Christ, that is the game. And guys, we're in this game together. Ben and I can't do this without you guys. Jesus can't do this without you guys. Lost people matter to God. Will you take my heart and go after the lost? Chase after them, risk for them. I don't want to do religious services, guys. I don't want to play religious games. Let's shut this thing down and let's go to another great church unless we're willing to go after the lost. That's what a church is. It is a community of radical love that celebrates the greatest things in life, transformation through the love of Jesus Christ. God, what makes God stand up and cheer? What does God give a standing ovation for? Why do the angels go off in heaven? It's when one lost person turns and gives his life to God. That is amazing. We're going to celebrate that here this morning. It's going to be awesome. There's a kid named Jason who came to our young adults ministry because our young adults ministry is about everybody's welcome. Everybody's in process. And anything's possible with God. Open table. Invite, love, share the love of Jesus. And Joe Hill and Patrick are a part of that ministry. And I'm asking them to come up with Jason. And we get a chance to celebrate life's greatest decision to say yes to Jesus Christ. Jason was the one that night that mattered to God. Joe, come up. Jason, come up. Share your story. And we're going to baptize Jason and celebrate here together. Okay, guys. Um, I want to introduce you to Jason Mirage. As Bucky said, he's a, a member of our young adults group that meets here on Tuesday nights. You met Patrick Hardy a couple weeks ago. He's the new leader of that group. And, and Jason is our bracket buster for the day. Jason is the one, guys. He's the one that heard God's call a couple weeks ago. Jason is the one that had the courage to answer that call. He didn't just listen, put the message in his pocket, and walk away. We were, in a, we were studying John chapter 3, and Jesus is talking about being born again. And Nicodemus says, how can somebody be born again when they're old? It's a good question. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. That's where the talk about baptism came into play. Um, After that, that point, Jason came up to me and said, hey, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I'm not really into a a big public thing. <laughs> he wasn't. He, Surprise. Jason is an introvert. He said, hey, could, could we just sort of have a quiet baptism? And, and I said, yeah, you could. Baptism is about a change in your heart. That's what this is about. It's not a show. But wouldn't it be awesome if you could encourage other Christians, other people in the audience? Maybe there's someone sitting out there today that's been thinking about this and and just says, I don't know, I don't want to get up on that platform in front of all the people. Well, that was Jason's position. And after talking, he decided that, yes, he would like to be an encouragement to our community. 
So um, Jason has one very simple question to ask, to answer. Jace, why is it that you, um, you desire to be baptized today? Um, well, I think uh, just like Pastor Bucky was just saying, I, I, was, I, I do believe I was that lost son for the last four years of my life. Um, and then I've come to really understand the reason why I want to get baptized today is that the purpose of my life is to have a relationship with uh, God and Jesus Christ. And uh, so today I'm just marking my covenant of that relationship that I will seek him and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in everything that I do. And yeah, so. Woo! Okay, so let me ask you, Jason, um, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God and that he gave his life um, on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins? Yes. And do you uh, want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Okay, let's get on with this. Patrick? I think I heated it for you, Jason. Okay, Jason, um, now after hearing your good confession, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, and raised to walk in the newness of life. hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.